to your friends. Thank you for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom. I am sharing with you a conversation I just had with Hema Hariden. She is a woman of color who is also a healer, an author, an entrepreneur, and a multi-dimensional big bright light of source energy pouring down into the planet. And her conversation was just so timely. It felt so right that I wanted to share it with you this week. We talk about oh all kinds of elements of healing, heal, the healing journey and uh, the frequency of love and light and what that means in regards to spiritual bypass and living in a state of oneness while in human form. And it was, it felt really empowering to me to be able to have this conversation with her in particular, who's done so much work on her spiritual journey and while being a woman of color. So I know you're going to get a lot out of this like I did. She is the founder of the Ascended Entrepreneur Mastery School, as well as the author of the book, From Homeless to Healer, A Journey Through Entrepreneurship, Awakening, and Merging with My Higher Self. I'll put links to those in the show notes. And she has a really great Facebook Live, really powerful Facebook Live that she released about two weeks ago on healing ancestral bloodlines for all beings. I'll put a link to that as well. And uh, yeah, enjoy this conversation. It's so good. I'm just blown away. We planned to have this conversation, you know, a couple months back, early May or so. We scheduled for early July and it felt uh, just exquisitely timed that I had the opportunity to dive into the conversation or the intersection of race, oppression, and spirituality and healing wounds and traumas. And um, you'll hear it from her and her take on it as a woman of color navigating these, um, these very real issues, but also having discovered a, a, a way to transcend that I think will really resonate with a lot of you. Before I turn you on to that, I want to thank my Patreon subscribers, my Patreon satsang, Michelle, she's new to the satsang, as well as Krishna, my beloved, which is really sweet. It feels like when your mom buys your Girl Scout cookies, Krishna joined my Patreon family. And of course, again, Mary and Megan and Zarin, I've got five woohoo, that are with me now. If you want to support this podcast on Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You can go there and search Love, Service, Wisdom, or Marissa, Rada, and I'll pop up. And you can donate really any amount um, to support the show and the work that I do with it because it's, it's a labor of love that I want to offer these conversations and insights and meditations to you. And I greatly appreciate your support, whether it's financially through Patreon or even just giving me a five-star review or writing a little tidbit review. That is helpful immensely because folks look at 
rankings. Folks look at like how many stars you have and and the more the better. And so that's just the world that we live in, uh, this quantified five-star world. And I know I'm playing the game and you're going to help me play it so that more this podcast can reach more and more people. So if you find value in it and you want it to reach more people, that's a way that you can help it get there. It's pretty simple and easy to do. Just go there on iTunes and leave that five-star review and it means a lot. Or hop on over to Patreon and, you know, a buck, two bucks, five bucks, doesn't matter. A month is awesome. And in the Patreon, I've been writing uh, like a little kind of like blog, um, blog, blog connection posts to those. And then I'll continue to do, to develop it as time goes on and add more and more exclusive content over there for those that you, that, for those that find me on Patreon. I'm also currently open to taking on a few more life coaching clients. If you are interested in that intimate service with me, you can learn more about that on my website, marissaradawepner.com. And I've just launched the one-on-one ketamine therapy sessions as well through the Boise Ketamine Clinic. So if you're interested in using the psychedelic ketamine, it's not like a classic psychedelic, but it definitely gets into non-ordinary states of consciousness while in therapy, hit me up and uh, we can talk about it and I can let you know what that process would look like. There's also group ketamine therapy sessions that I'm leading. So a couple fun new, um, couple fun new uh, offerings for the world now as everything with yoga teaching in the studio seems to be winding down. More about that maybe in my next podcast. Uh, it feels good to be launching these other services because that's what I want to do, you guys, is be of service to you in the world. I hope it's helpful. And someone who is absolutely of service to so many, and I can't wait to introduce you to her, is Hema Hardin. So here it is, folks, this conversation. Please enjoy. Hi, Hema. Welcome to the Love Service Wisdom Podcast. It's I'm I in my body right now welcoming you. I just feel totally lit up. I'm super excited that we're about to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. I um, one of the reasons I'm so excited is just feels just divinely timed that we're speaking in this moment. I know we planned this conversation, oh, maybe like early May or so. And as we both know, and the world knows, so much has evolved and changed since then. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i just really looking forward to getting your perspective on, on everything that's up right now in the field. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I figure that we're going to get into some pretty deep topics. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've looked into your work and you are, you're the founder of the Ascended Entrepreneur Mastery School. Is that right? Yes. And you've got a new book that just came out from Homeless to Healer, A Journey Through Entrepreneurship, Awakening, and Merging with My Higher Self. And one of the things that's so exciting for me about you and who you are is you 
are a person of color, how do you identify? How should I, <laughs> how should I phrase that? You know, that's, that's a really interesting question. I actually haven't felt too deep into that and haven't had to until recently. Right. So, yeah. you know, when you're just in your spiritual world of being one with everything, you kind of don't see separation or see differences, but then when your immediate reality gets opened up to some really um, serious things that are going on, then you start to come back now more into your identity and navigating that for me personally has been very interesting because it's very clear <laughs> that I'm a person of color, minority, female, you know, all of, all of those things. And in my practice and in my company, I've never really had to separate myself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now it's, you know, I'm me, but also at the same time, I can identify with this percentage of the population that is of color, that is minority, that is female, um, and so many other things. So I, I think I really have just that this open stance mm-hmm. that I'm all of me, but then I'm also in these categories because of the way that I look and because of the, my physical representation. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Even having to like give that much preamble, right. To something <laughs> that, like you yeah. said, you don't normally identify with. And now it's like, okay, how are we going to talk about this? And we are talking about it and everybody's talking about it. And you're, so could I say, my, my intention here is like tiptoeing into an area that feels like it's full of landmines and I don't want to step on one. So mm-hmm. in reference to you, I would say a person of color. That's a question. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and a woman, a minority, more minority woman who's a person of color and who is identified with her soul in the non-dual space and with oneness. And that's where you live your life and you seem to operate from. And it's, that's a radical place to be in. It is a radical place. And I remember like one of the turning points on my specific journey um, was, was, yeah, recognizing this fact that I was in the spiritual community and that there was, I was the minority also in most of the spiritual circles that I was in, um, but not needing to address it, right? There wasn't anything in the environment that was making me uncomfortable mm-hmm. thinking that I was separate. Um, but then when I started my company, then I had to look at, okay, but how do we bridge that gap? that that I want more diversity in these circles. There's no reason why, um, you know, there should be a large Caucasian female population and there's a very small male population or person of color population that are coming into my healing circles. Like what, you know, mm-hmm. when I know that that my work is based on source connection and just remembering your source connection and that's open and available to anyone. Um, so I remember... <laughs> having a talk and just saying like, yeah, I am a triple minority, right? Um, not just color, not just female, but also having been raised in poverty, you know? And like against all odds, I had my awakening and I remembered who I was. And then I just embarked on a new path. Um, so that was kind of what allowed me to write the book. Mm-hmm. It's just, I ident- like, yes, this was my identification in this world that we're in. This is what I was born into. But we're beyond all of that. We're so much more than that. Have you been able to address in the circles, like you're saying, how, what, how are you 
I know it's it's a hope, right? We want to be more inclusive and have these scenes be more diverse, and then they're just not. And so what are some ways that, or have you been able to get more diversity? Yeah, I feel like in my last cohort, um, so we're on cohort four of the school, uh-huh. and it was the most diverse cohort. You know, we had, normally it's all female, uh, European mostly descent, uh, Australian um, and in the last one, we had two males, which was huge. I usually have about uh, eight to 11 people in the cohorts. Mm-hmm. Um, one African-American male, African-American female. Like it was just, it, for me, it was the, um, what I wanted to see. Like yeah. that everyone being able to come into that space and see how they're all the same. And having them go through that process, it's a three-month process that we take everyone through. And having them just get closer and closer and closer together, seeing that at the core, we're all the same. So for me, the gap is being bridged. And it really just does take us, each and every one of us, saying that I see that we seem to look different on the outside, but in our hearts and in our being and in our blood, we are all the same. We're just one human race. And I can hold that stance and also feel what you have been through and where you're coming from and see how I can create an environment that allows you to feel heard and seen in that. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Beautifully said, beautifully said, holding the non, non non-dual space and the dual space, holding the energy of we are all one and we're not one. And we've had different life experiences and upbringings and histories that are that can be vast in scale and at the core of it we're all one and i love hearing you say that and i'll just you know kind of admit that i feel like i can't say that at this period mm-hmm. in time even though i've been saying it and teaching it for almost two decades yeah and <laughs> i've 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 seen that with with so many people um if they're not a person of color, they don't know how to navigate it. Um, because, you know, what do you say? How, how do you respond when it seems like it's such a strong separation? Like, what is the place for you to be in? And I just feel like, <laughs> you know, for me, I, I am completely open when you say something like that, because I'm like, yes, I, I get it. I know from that heart place where it's coming from. But this is where healing comes in, right? Mm-hmm. If we can stand in that, no matter our color, right? No matter our color or our descent, mm-hmm. we can just hold that. Like, look, I know that my ancestry has has done certain things and I'm here to stop that. <laughs> I'm here mm-hmm. to change that, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like even for people that are not of color to even stand and hold that and say that would probably be even as powerful to create that unity. Yeah, I have felt the same too. And it was only recently on social media at times, there was a couple particular times where I, someone, when all of this erupted right with the Black Lives Matter movement in early June, and someone actually came after me because I had used POC instead of BIPOC, which like I felt like BIPOC appeared in like one day. I had never even seen it before. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was like a day early with using POC and they were like, you're mm-hmm. contributing to racism by, you know, not just identifying blacks by saying all people of color. And I was like, oh, 
wow, that so wasn't my intention. And then I said, you know, but I'm like, my intention is to be such a support and ally. And it feels at this moment that's kind of getting caught up on semantics versus the larger picture where you can feel where the intention is there. And like, let's try and support each other instead of getting caught up on the words. And And so I said, how could I support you? What do you need right now? And the woman wrote back, look at you, you love and light supremacist. And I was like, wow, that's the first time I've heard that phrase. It's like, holy cow, I think I just walked into that trap. She was waiting for to like lay that one on me and I stepped into it perfectly. And then since yeah. then, that's been in my field, right? Like love and light supremacist. And then part of me is like, yes, it's true. And why is that a derogatory thing now? Why is that being weaponized? And then just last week, someone sent me another post from a woman that was something like the evil of your love and light. And it was like, you should watch this. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not going to give my energy to that. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that that's now a weapon. Yeah. Have you come across that? I I see it all the time. You know, personally, I, I have not personally been um, attacked on social media (laughs) uh, since I started. I'm also not like very active on social media. I'll, uh, there's a lot of content that goes goes out, but um, there's not like a huge back and forth that that happens in my post. Um, mm. So I haven't personally been attacked, but I see what's going on, and I'm very very keen and aware of what's going on. And especially when it comes to the love and the light, I remember that when I first started, and I just started my school a year ago, and it kind of just took off, and I didn't even start it with with any intention other than just bringing people together that were remembering who they were. Um, but I remember one of the very first live streams that I did was called Falling in Love with the Darkness. And mm-hmm. I put that there on purpose because it's like, yes, there is a way that you can hold your love and your light and all that you are and hold that frequency so that anything that comes into that frequency feels the power of that love and feels the truth of that love. And I feel that all of us that are on this spiritual journey, no matter what our color, what our ancestry, what has happened, our bloodline, no matter what, we can all hold that place. And when we hold that place, it is felt, it's felt. And I can see what's happening in social media right now is that people are just really in the mind, not wanting to go that deep. They just are wanting to create that, like, that sense of just like, cognitive supremacy i'll put it that way that's and a great all, phrase <laughs> yeah. and we all know when we're doing that but mm-hmm. but what i have found is that those that truly are here to heal and remain open are not letting simple words and phrases get in the way they're truly opening their hearts to what this bigger possibility can be for all of us coming together you know and when we allow ourselves to stand in our own sovereignty and our own power, we can discover that no matter what's being fed to us through social media, through, through the media, through government, through policy, politics, whatever it is, if we can be in our sovereignty and stay in our heart space, we can see the solution because solutions are needed. But we're not going to be able to create the solution from a place of being divided when we can stand with each other and see each other as one and connect our hearts in that space is where the solution comes. So I know that my call to action for everyone is just stand in that place and see what comes through you. Stand in that place and don't waver and see what comes through. And that will be the solution. And yes, some people are going to be pissed off, 
But that's okay because in the end, we will all come together to, for the greater good, not just the individual. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a good friend whose mantra has been, it's okay to be a light worker in this time of darkness. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, um, it feels like at times everything just has gotten so flipped upside down and turned on its head. And um, again, like even just these phrases, like we're all one or we're all connected or we're all in one human race. When I see those listed out as covert white supremacy, I don't know if you've seen that pyramid or not, mm -hmm. where it lists like overt and covert and that's on there. It, uh, it, it's a little bit of a conundrum personally, because it's something that I know in my soul so strongly. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just did a live stream, um, a healing of all ancestral bloodline and, and DNA. I'd love to just also put the link in there for your audience, anyone that wants to see that, because it was a really powerful call, um, one of our biggest ones. And the, the space that I was able to hold in that um, was this space of we're all suffering from this, even if we <laughs> were the oppressor. Because we, those of us that are living in this generation now, weren't directly, our hands weren't in the dirt when it was happening, but we're having to pay for it energetically through guilt, through shame. And that's the energy that's creating what is happening on this planet. It's, it's that energy of guilt and shame and, and, and this vengeance, like that is the energy that's mm -hmm. creating what is happening here. And if we can really just look at that and see that, okay, this is what that issue is. And this is something that runs through our genetics, not just from what's happening in this time, but from the very beginning of our human history, when all of this started to occur, that there was just that divide from there. And if we can go back and heal that divide, that's the most powerful place. Um, and I even tell personal stories. I remember um, having to just feel into like what was going to be on the cover of, of my book. And I, there was a brief moment where I was just like, you know, I don't want my face on the cover of the book because it's not about my face. It's not about me, who I, who I am as an individual. It's about this essence that I am, this, this tone that I'm holding and this frequency that, that I know that I'm just here to bring. But it was very clear to me to put my face on the cover of the book and then to have it like very spicy, like just very, you know, mm -hmm. um, out there because I knew that just having this physical representation was going to close a divide. And I even go as far to say that, that I know that I probably chose before this incarnation to be in a, a minority form because I wanted to come and be able to do this work, you know, and, and I always, I say things like that publicly all the time because I just want us all to open up, like, who were we before we came into this incarnation? And if we can open up to that, so much more will come to us. And then we don't have to be worried about what we're saying and who we're saying it to, because we can have that expanded perception, that expanded awareness, that expanded um, experience. And then we can bring that into um, our physical experience that we have now. And that is actually what creates this awakening, this love, this light, this, this, this new energy that's, that's coming in that is so different from what currently exists that exists. 
Again, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I love hearing you say these things that I feel like if I were to say, I would be said, somebody would say, mm, spiritual bypass, look at your spiritual bypass, girl. You said you picked this incarnation and that's the way you wanted it to go. And so I, yeah, I just want your voice to be louder and stronger and to be heard by more and more because there's such truth in it. And you've surely had the life experience like you've described that you really get it, you know, moving, like you've said, through poverty and being a minority and being a woman to a place where you can claim your sovereignty. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, one bigger point that I like to stress is that these experiences, this is not what made me who I am. And I think that that's, that's going to be a thing that gets people's attention. Uh, Let's hear more about that. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually, Oh, my story and my struggle and what I've been through made me who I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's the thing that's here. But for me, I know for a fact, I am who I am, no matter what has happened in this life. At the core of my being, I will always be this being that has this open heart. And it does not matter what shape or form that I am in, that this is who I am. And I can say that I have gone through extreme experiences, and they're all detailed in the book, extreme experiences of abuse and suppression, physical abuse. And I have healed and I have forgiven. And that is not coming from a place of bypass. That is coming from a place of truly doing the work to forgive and to heal and to see the other being as one with me and to release that from my body and to release it from my soul, to release it from, from wherever it was held so that I could truly come into this place. So it's like, I know for a fact that my love and light is real. And I know for a fact that it doesn't matter if someone is my skin color or not. If they have done that work, I can feel it from them. And I don't question them because I can just feel that essence and I can feel that purity and I can feel that intent. And if we allow ourselves to open up in that way, we'll feel it. And, and, and Because I know there are so many of us that are doing this work and have been doing this work and are attempting to just keep a heightened frequency here so that others are not stuck in, in the, the situation that they are in forever. Um, Yes. Yeah. I'm curious for you when you were a child and your life circumstance was as challenging as it was, can you recall that there was always an inner knowing, like always a sense of guidance? Or do you remember when that guidance came in? I would say that it was always there. Um, there was a very defining moment where where I was able to look back and go, oh, that was always my higher self mm-hmm. because I never had like a spirit guide or I never had like a grandparent that came and visited me or, you know, like all these other stories that usually happen, you know, when you're awakening. But I knew that there was always just something inside of me that said it's going to be okay no matter what. It's going to be okay. You're okay no matter what. Um, and that, what people do ask me, like, how did you have the strength to do all that you're doing? How are you doing all the things that you're doing? I have no clue. I I have no clue. Like there is just something inside of me that just knows that it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And that I'm here with a purpose. And, and this is what I just want everyone to open up to is like that place inside of them that tells them this, this is all you need. And we all have it. And we all know that we have it. We just talk back to it and we give it negativity instead of 
believing it instead of listening to it and for me that's like just the simplest thing believe that believe your own inner voice that tells you that you are powerful because I know every single person that I have worked with and it's hundreds at this point have told me they've heard that voice in some way shape or form they may not they just didn't believe it or knew how to believe it or how to take the next step um and it really is just that trust and that faith in who you are um but it's there for everyone I know that it is. It is there for everyone. And that inner voice, it's hard to distinguish or we don't trust it, like you said, or um, the other voices are quite louder at times or we feel hopeless. Like, how do I, how do I make the leap? How do I make the change? How do I really trust? And it's a process. It's a process of slowly, I, I think of it like experimenting, you know, like I'll listen to this voice and do this thing that's scary, but I know is right. And then it turns out well, and it turns out okay. It's like the world didn't fall apart. I'm still here and I'm better. And then you start to do more and you start to do more and you start to do more and you're relearning until you're living fully in that frequency, which continually requires cleaning and upgrading and realigning. It's always a process. So it's not like you get there and then you're there. You're, you're just always like on target, refocusing, right? Exactly. You know, and, and another point that I want to mention while you were talking, just going back to this social media thing, the thing that happens on social media, what I feel like it's for those that are afraid to listen to that inner voice, that's where that attacking on the outside comes from. Because they're seeing someone in that light. They're seeing someone that has surrendered to that voice, like surrendered to that place. And it scares them, you know, Mm -hmm. it scares them. And especially when they're seeing that other person as like just being on the same level of them, right? Not some huge celebrity or, you know, whatever it is, right? Right. Like just, just being like, oh, wait, hold on. If that person can, can do that, maybe I can do it too. And for a lot of people, that's scary because then there's a sense, there's a responsibility that has to come with that. So instead of taking that responsibility, then that's when the anger and all of this other stuff gets you. Yeah. And for women in particular, it seems that there's um, those feelings of less than or not enough or jealousy that come up. You know, we're kind of so weirdly hardwired that when we, when we see another woman thrive, we don't like it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because, it's it, you know, it just goes back to the same. It's just the same thing. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Hold on. If she's doing it, then there's a potential that I could do it, too. But but, you know, am I going to surrender to that? Mm-hmm. and and allow myself to to expand or am I going to just contract and then attack? Yeah, know? and the contraction feels most comfortable because that's the yeah. state in which most people live in. And so opening, though it's so healing and liberating, feels so scary. Yep, and it's <laughs> that's the freedom that everyone's looking for. Yes. And so they say that they want it, but they really don't well, because they're afraid of it. It's because it feels unnatural, Mm -hmm. because it feels unnatural. So I have a lot of empathy for that. And I can see, I just, because we're so traumatized and it's that shame and guilt spiral that we're so conditioned to as well. And then we just try to throw it on each other. Like, let me traumatize you because I'm feeling traumatized. That's what I've felt in this past month more more than anything is everybody's trauma got awakened and at Mm -hmm. such a high level because of 
the racial issues and the pandemic and the economy and everything. And then instead of trying to connect and empathize, it's the, the reactive response of I'm lashing out to make myself feel better in the moment. I can feel momentarily more powerful when actually I feel very out of control. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, anger comes from fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the root of anger is just fear. And for me, you know, I know that it's scary. I know that I know what it takes. I know what this journey feels like. I know what you have to become and what you have to let go of. But at the same time, <laughs> collectively, as a human race, we need to stop making excuses. Like we, we need to stop making excuses for ourselves. We have so many excuses and we are just allowing ourselves to enter or stay in this state of like entropy is what I call it. We keep going through the same cycles over and over mm-hmm. again. This is nothing new. Like this is nothing new. Um, and when I saw everything that was happening, I was fully prepared for it all. I energetically was fully prepared for it all because back in 2017, when I had my awakening, I had worked through all of this. Um, I remember seeing spiritual teachers that were Caucasian and especially Dutch and, and, you know, my ancestry is Guyanese and we were just enslaved by the Dutch and brought over to the West Indies. I remember having to do that healing. <laughs> like, you know, this is okay. Like, how are they teaching ancient Hindu teachings? And that's kind of our thing. You know, I had to get over like all of that and heal. I had to get over all my poverty money stuff. I started investing in alternative markets. Like I taught myself so many things because I was more focused on the solution than adding to the problem. And right now, this is what needs to shift. And, and I'm, I'm a young single mom. Like, I'll just put it that way. Like, there is no excuse for anyone. We need to take our power back. That's it. We're just at the point where we need to take our power back. And if I wanted to stay in the state that I was in, in a homeless shelter, being a single mom, being a minority, I could have made all the excuses in the world for myself. I could have. But I wanted the change. And I wanted the solution. So I chose to become that. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm still like the rest of my life is going to be dedicated to those that really want to make that change. And I will give every second and every minute of my life (laughs) and I do to assisting them in that process. So it's like we're here, but who are the ones that really want to create change? Who are the ones that want to be that, live that and experience that? Like we do need to come together. And when we start to hold that, now in the social eye, then it's going to create that ripple. Um, but we just, we all have to be brave no matter where we're at. Unity, unity, connection, mm-hmm. supporting one another, doing your own healing work, working through your own trauma, recognizing your own triggers and your own wounds when they come up. What were some of your processes for working through your traumas and wounds? Were you, the- I, my question is like, do you feel it can happen spontaneously? Maybe the, maybe I'm going to answer my both my question that instantly, or it's like I have to process it, or is it both? Yeah, it's both. So in the beginning, um, you do need a process, right? right? Because you're re- retraining your mind, right? You're retraining your your patterning, your programming, your belief systems. It hurts. It feels painful. The body goes through healing crisis. Multiple things happen. In the beginning, you need a process. When you have reached a certain threshold and you just know, okay, this is what I'm going to do, then the body adapts to that. You evolve. And then it's instant. Then in the moment, like when the anger or fear or whatever arises because you're being um, pushed to another edge, you see it and you just surrender to it. And then you allow yourself to expand even more. So then it becomes instant. 
So it's mm-hmm. a process until mm-hmm. it's not. Right. Got it. That's perfect. It's true. When in your process in the beginning, what were some of your somatic practices to have it move through your body? Yeah. So the first modality that I ever found when I uh, woke up was called theta healing. Um, and it was just all about connecting into source, knowing your own source connection and using that source energy to heal. Um, and just allowing yourself to go deep into that theta wave, which is just that, that deeper, more still meditative wave. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always first and foremost meditation. Like the yoga nidra. Yeah. Very similar to that. Um, and then just connect, connecting into the body, feeling where it is, and then just sending that energy there and then allowing myself to see whatever the memory was and allowing myself to bring a higher perspective into that memory. Um, so that was the very beginning. And then, you know, similar to what you just asked, then I didn't need any type of process. Then I kind of could just see all the perspectives at once because I was willing to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was willing to forgive. So I didn't have to go into Des- any state. Describe though mm-hmm. a, a perspective shift, right? Like you're feeling in your body, for example, a childhood moment of abuse. And how do you get a higher perspective on that? What's the shift that takes place? So you, so you, you step out of being the, the one that has experienced it. The victim. So you watch. Yeah, exactly. So you watch it, you, you watch it, you step out and you almost put yourself in that other person's body. Mm-hmm. And for those of us that are highly intuitive or empathic, we, we kind of just do this naturally um, to the point where it can be self-destructive for ourselves. So there's a very fine balance with this. You know, you almost put yourself, you see through the eyes of that, the perpetrator, and you can see and feel what caused them to become that. And it's not making it okay. By you doing that, it's just allowing you to release you from that. It's not saying that, oh, it's okay that they did this because that. And I think this is the place where a lot of people are unable to hold. Mm -hmm. That you can call behavior out as not being okay and still simultaneously hold love for it at the same time. This is what true unconditional love is. No, it's not okay. And, And this does not need to continue. And it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But from where we are now, bringing love and understanding into it is what is going to stop it from being created. So then when you're in that process for yourself and you can hold that and you can see that, then you can detach from it and then you can let it go out of the body. But to make sure you can't trick yourself in this process because it's easy to say, oh, I forgive and I forget and not have ever really moved it through your body. What then would be the next step is to revisit what happened and then make sure there's no charge in your body. After you've brought in all the new energy, after you have released all the wounding, after you've truly forgiven, you revisit. Mm -hmm. And if you revisit and there's no charge, then that scenario is done. And And that that means you feel feel neutral. You don't get the stomach churn. You don't get the tight chest. You don't get the temper temper rising. You don't have any kind of energetic response. It's just a witness. Exactly. And then, you know, if we want to get deeper into the metaphysics behind that, if you're no longer holding the, the match to that frequency in your body, that no longer has to occur. You won't ever have to recreate that scenario in your life. And then that changes your vibrational field and it changes what you're then attracting. Because I know that it's a stretch for us to tell some people that, okay, on a higher level, 
these were sole contracts on a higher level. We knew what we were coming into experience in some way. Um, but if someone can't stretch to see it from that perspective, you could just do it internally in your body. Mm-hmm. You could do it from this, the perspective of this lifetime that the knowing you holding it in is going to keep you stuck in that prison of that experience. And if you want to be free, you release it from the body. Um, and that's the process that I use for a lot of people to help them heal through, through trauma. Um, and then you can get to the, the next levels of that after that is, is kind of complete in your um, experience. And so then on the collective field, again, talking about the racial issues, do you, would you say that you have hope that on a greater collective, that type of embodiment of forgiveness and release and sovereignty is possible? I know that it's possible. Not only because I have like blind faith and hope, right? I, I, <laughs> It Which just seems like, like a such thing, a tall right? order. It feels like such a tall order with all of the trauma and anger and oppression and rage, which has a place and is coming from a real wound. It's just in this moment, it feels so huge. Yeah. Just And many people tie into that frequency too, without even realizing that it's a trap. Yep. What, what my biggest advice to that is like, focus on your own field. Focus on what you are doing because you are one with all that is. You are the collective. You are one individuation, one representation of the collective. And if you just come into that state of being of how you want to be, how you want to feel, how you want to act, how you want to treat others, that is going to create the change. Do not look outside of yourself. Don't look at what the other do- is doing. Oh, that person is using that word because so they're not awake. They're not spiritual. They're- Don't do that. If you find that in your experience, stop and check yourself. Check yourself and hold that love, hold that light, hold that unconditional reality in your experience first and foremost. Then you scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you scale. And you know, I just use that in business terms also because I'm an entrepreneur, but it's it's the same thing. You start where you are, you build from where you are, you create that foundation, then you spread it out. You don't worry about making hundreds of millions of dollars before you've made your first thousand or two in your business, you know, if you really want to get there, that's a whole other thing. But now coming now into this experience of healing and spirituality, you don't worry about healing the collective until you've done it for your own body and your own being and your own soul. And it will shift. And I see this in all of the people that I work with. I've seen the shift. I've seen it in my own family and many of them are not even on this journey, but there's just this, this, this peace and this understanding that comes with it's okay. The past is the past. It's okay. You know what? Time really does heal all. It really does. And we're living in a time-space reality where a huge change and shift is occurring and there's a lot of letting go that needs to happen. And that can just happen on a, a, a family level. And when it happens on the family level, then it just spreads. So my advice is if it seems too big and you can't hold it for the whole collective, start within your own family, start within your own community. Start within your own spouse and your children. For me, that's what I did. I started with my partner and then my child. I feel like that's an important point to offer that permission when a lot of the messaging feels like it's 
what are you doing to heal the collective? What are you doing to fight? You know, what are you doing that's anti-racism? What are you doing to fight the system? And to remind folks that what you are doing is what's in your personal sphere of influence, that it doesn't have to be out there on a, in a big, broader, demonstrative way and taking it all on. Exactly. And then I just love the word that you use, like, you know, to fight the system. That's also that same energy. And that's a lot of the words that I see now. Mm-hmm. That's just keeping everything in this like perpetual state of battle and war and, and this lower frequency, which no, we've, it's ingrained in, in our psyches to be at war with each other. And that's not from us. That's not from the, the human being at its core. The human being at its core is compassionate by its very nature. And we know this from babies. Like we just, we just know this. What has happened is a lot of conditioning, a lot of programming, a lot of trauma from a society that is unjust. And when we just recognize that we don't have to keep perpetuating that and we can just, we can just unplug. I feel like the best thing that we can do is not fight the system, unplug from the system. Just unplug and be that love that you naturally are. If you fight it, you're fueling it. How can you do the opposite thing? How can you just bring the love into it instead? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the, the classic phrase, what you resist persists. And that happens on an individual and a collective level. And it's a paradox for sure. Because we're also in this separate separation. We're in the human form experience is one of polarity and duality while we're in this greater container of non-duality. So both are happening at the same time. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. And a, a big thing that, that we, we teach in the school is how to experience pol- polarity without having to be in duality without having yeah. to go through the extremes because there's a way that we can experience hot and cold male female all of these things light dark without mm-hmm. having the the victimization in between because that doesn't come along with duality that's just a misconception that has happened here and that's actually what that energetic misconception has led to is everything that we're seeing which is why there's an upgrading of spiritual teachings that need to happen. And I, I do feel like that's what's being called forward now is this upgrading of the spiritual work, right? It's, it's no longer about um, your material body versus your spiritual self. It's about mm-hmm. the merging of mm-hmm. all of it and all that you are. Mm-hmm. So the upgrading of the spiritual teaching, uh, is there somebody that you follow or that you learn from that's embodying that? in <laughs> myself um, <laughs> but I mean besides the obvious but like who uh, are your no, teachers I, right now no, you know it, <laughs> I, I honestly have to say that I don't reference anyone as okay. a teacher I see all of the the information that has been there I was raised Hindu so obviously what people call spirituality has just been like my like the the foundation of what I learned growing up which is why it was so easy for me to grasp certain things I know those that have been raised in like a Christian background have not been exposed to chakras or the absolute or you know all of these other very vast you are one with the universe concepts so I would say that just that upbringing has had me in that state of having an open mind from very young Although my family didn't um, practice it in a certain way, um, they actually just practiced it that was more maybe just say religious. But 
when I say spiritual teachings, I mean, as a whole, even religion, like as mm-hmm. a whole, what we understand as spirituality puts us in separation from our physical self, from all that we are just overall across the board, not anything specific. Because There's, it's, it's a, I have a spirit, but I'm a human and, and spiritual, what spiritual concepts are separate than me. Exactly. Whereas for me, there's has been this knowing that I'm a human being and I am multidimensional. I am a multidimensional human being. What what do you mean that I'm either spiritual or material? What mm-hmm. do you mean that I can be focused spiritually and have to give up money and have to this and not do this? What do you mean I have to fast for 30 days to be enlightened? What, what do you mean? Why? Why so much separation? Yeah, there are certain things that you can do to cultivate sacred space and prepare your body. But your nature, you living and breathing and walking your spirit. <laughs> yeah, it's a very tantric worldview. Mm-hmm. 100%. That this is it too, that reminder that there's nowhere to get to, even like the idea of ascension, right? Like I'm going to get to another place. <laughs> it's that That's not it, folks. It's all actually right here. It's all exactly. right here. This is heaven. This is it. The exactly. earth is made for that. You're living it. Exactly. Exactly. And it really is as simple as that, you know, just come into this moment and like go to a beach or go to a forest and sit with that. Mm-hmm. Just sit with that and see where it takes you. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to anything else. Right. After right. all the podcasts and everything that you just listened to, <laughs> you know, like just go, go outside. And, and turn your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turn your face to the sky. Listen to the birds. It's one of my favorite practices is just being outside and only listening to the birds. Yep. Yeah. Well, you have uh, your your book came out. What was it in May? Uh, no, that I think last year. Yeah. Oh, May last of last year. year. So about one year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. congrats. Congrats. You. <laughs> and you, and you, um, it's, I'm just, um, you, you said you're building so much now, like energetically with your school and with your outreach. And it's just wonderful to hear in your, your cohorts that you're describing. Are you having a new cohort beginning soon? No. So we decided to, um, have it self-paced just okay. what we felt energetically is that it is such a deep and intense process. And I think that what we're moving into, more people are asking for um, that sacred space for themselves and not mm-hmm. really that group kind of thing. Um, so for the remainder of the year, we're going to have it self-paced. Um, we may reopen a cohort in 2021, but I'm not sure yet. Um, but but it is available for you to just dive deep in your own and, and take yourself through the process. And, and we have an online community that you can connect to, to, to see those that have graduated and have moved through the process and see where they're at and what they're doing. Um, for us right now, we, we had a couple of projects that we were looking to do uh, physically, creating physical space where things are right now. Uh, I don't know if that's the best thing. We're getting super excited about regenerative agriculture. And, you know, creating those types of farms and spaces. So, um, and I'm always into crypto. I always talk about alternative currencies. So we're just really exploring alternate ways of being, Mm -hmm. alternate ways of living, alternate ways of consuming and creating. 
Um, so that's where we're at right now. It's, it's just completely open, completely flowing and completely exploring like what this new needs to look like. We know that the old society is breaking down right now. There's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. So what does the new need to look like? And I always give this advice that, you know, when you allow yourself to tap into, I talk about your blueprint a lot, your soul's blueprint. But when you allow yourself to tap into what you're here to do, looking to the old reality is not going to give you the answer because what is meant to be created through you is so far in the future because the way that we're advancing as a race is it's exponential. And I always give the example of like a hundred years ago, we were just finding out how to utilize the light bulb. And now fast forward a hundred years in the future, we have holographic technology and Bluetooth and, and all of this. So, we are growing and evolving at an exponential rate. And if you truly want to create something, don't look to the past. Feel into that future and allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to go into meditation and connect to your own higher self and see what can come through you. See what that crazy idea is. It could be like that Einstein or Tesla type idea <laughs> that comes through. Um, and I always encourage people to do that first and foremost, because you, know, you you don't know what can come through and then you don't know who you'll meet, what frequency you'll allow yourself to be in, and then what chain events you start um, in your life to to unfold for you to, to just get on that higher path. And it is magical. It is love and light. It is very practical. It is all the things in one. Uh, it so. is very love and light. It is very practical. <laughs> Those things can go together. Exactly. They do go together. They do. Exactly. They do. That's the importance of grounding, grounding and mm-hmm. being present. And then you can expand and then you can open. And um, it's absolutely true that we're living into a new paradigm. We're in this such a fascinating point in time. It feels so like rich and and ripe and on point and super scary at the same time where the world is falling apart around us and now there's this moment we've all been waiting for to create something different and it feel I can feel myself at times just kind of rattling inside the frequency as things shake away and holding focus through that at moments is terrifying and liberating <sighs> yeah, being able to surf into the unknown and create. So holding the focus, like you're saying too, is what what is it that you, what? Well, the tricky part with that is I feel like sometimes when I'm projecting from my mind, it's only coming from the past, from what I've known. And so I suppose you're saying in the meditative space, we can sometimes mm, allow our field to be open up, open enough to the creativity can go into those places that's beyond what the mind can conceptualize. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's this, this question comes up a lot and it's a great question for me. If something comes in and you think you need to figure out how to do it, that's not the thing. (laughs) Or, or there's, there's a, a, a framework, there's a system already created for you to be able to do that. That might not be the thing right? Go a little deeper, go a little deeper and allow yourself to stretch energetically so that when a vision comes in, you're like, how in the world is this even possible? Because that's when you start to turn things on that Mm -hmm. may have been turned off in your Mm -hmm. life, right? Like that's when you start to open up 
to your multidimensional reality, which may have been off, you know, especially when we're all about, you know, being grounded and being practical, you know, sometimes we feel like we, we have to um, jump from, from one state of being to another. For me, I always use this example. I'm like, I'm just like that ping pong ball, right? The thing is getting hit back and forth, but it no, like there's, there's a, a, a pattern to it. There's like a, there's a, 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 a knowing to it. Right. And if you allow yourself to just be that I'm constantly in, in all the States all at once. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ever feel like I'm going into my mind or, you know, then I'm in the meditative state mm-hmm. for me, it's all one. It, it is all one. Mm-hmm. And I know when, when I'm there, the, the, as soon as the problem arises, the solution comes with it. So that's another thing. Like <laughs> when, when you truly are going as deep as you can go in your meditation to see an expanded vision, you will not come out of that meditation with any question. You will come out of the meditation knowing how energetically with the feeling that it's going to be put together as long as you energetically commit to it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to let go because then it doesn't have to come from you. Then you get to just be that force, that being that holds that energy that allows the magic to happen. It allows all the pieces to get created around you. And so when I was saying earlier, like, I never know how these things come together. <laughs> I just, I just go into that meditation and I just get that vision and I just let it light me up and accuse me and I don't question it. And then over the next month, I just watch. I just watch because I'm holding it and I believe in it so much and it feels so good. And I know that, that it's what people want or, you know, it's what is needed. And I know that it's going to serve. So I just watch. And then I watch to see how it wants to evolve on its own. And I don't have to think about it. I just know that I'm tapped into that field where it's all going to come in. And I really feel like that field is the power. Like that is the place where, where power is for us to do that collective work. Like you were saying, you know, but the advice is don't get there. Don't try to get there first, right? Do yeah. what you need to do from where you are right now, knowing that that juicy, delightful future is coming. It's coming. And that actually helps you move through the pain and gives you that desire to get everything cleared. Cause you're like, you know what? I don't want to stay here with this pain. There's this future that exists and that I could just jump into you know, and I feel like that's my role more than anything is like just being the spokesperson for that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. When I work with individuals one-on-one too, sometimes what I witness is um, they have that vision and feeling for the future that is, feels so right and true. And then there's also this sense of disappointment or doubt that comes in because it's not happening quicker or yet. Yeah, that's where virtues come in, right? You know, you gotta have patience. You gotta have humility. You have, you know, you have to have all these things that truly allows you to create that collective vision. You mm-hmm. can't make it about you. And mm-hmm. you know, this is this is another thing too, which is why I know the spiritual community gets under attack in certain things because there still can be a lot of um, meanness that comes yeah. with that. So it's like when you're preaching unity and collective consciousness but then you're holding that energy of meanness people are going to call you out on it sometimes you know (laughs) not saying that it's correct but it's like that's just your indicator to expand even more yes because i i could want our buildings to look a certain way 
I could want my crypto fund to look a certain way. But if that's not in the highest for what the collective is wanting, I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm going to let it go. Exactly. And I'm going to just surrender and say, what is needed? What does this need to look like? Um, and that's if there's like any secret or any key to my success, that's that. <laughs> it's like th- being willing to throw it all away. Like yeah. not, <laughs> not holding so tightly onto it. Just being willing that like, hey, if this thing is going to take 10 years, like I'm not going to see this until I'm in my 40s. That's okay. I'm okay because you know what? That's when it needs to exist. Because it's, a, it's about everybody else. It's not about me. It's not about me like, oh, wanting to retire by the time I'm 35. Or, you know, X, Y, Z. Me wanting to, to do this with my life or that with my life. For me, that true surrender and that true being in service is where you can allow yourself to be that conduit. To just be that vehicle for the vision that needs to come through and just let me go. You know? Yeah. And speaking of the spiritual journey, too, and kind of how it can feel feel from the outside as me-centered, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people start from me because we're, we're on our, our individual healing journey and we're looking for a sense of safety or wholeness or connection or healing that we don't have. And it is very personal. And then we're in this society that, you know, glamorizes um, looks or material goods or ways of being and though that and so that might even be why some people begin what feels like a spiritual journey but i in my experience and what i've witnessed over all these years is if you're truly on it and dedicated that that healing takes place and you quickly move beyond it that the true spiritual journey only leads you to service exactly it will always lead to service. Like, always. Is, there's, a, there's no other way. <laughs> there is no other way. And that's sort of a litmus test too, is how much are you willing to give up? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I love that you point that out that, yeah, in the beginning, it is about you because you want to heal. Um, and it, it, the same thing, it was like, I am in pain. I'm in a relationship that's not fulfilling. I'm in a homeless shelter. I <laughs> like, these things don't feel okay. How do I get myself out? But then again, very quickly, as you start to truly heal that and you start to expand, then you just allow yourself to open up to so much more. And, um, you know, I had a business that was making six figures when I was 23. And that's when I started to, or by the time I was 27, actually, was making six figures. And I was completely unfulfilled. And I was like, whoa, this, on paper, this looks like, everything that I wanted, everything that everybody could have expected from me. Uh, but this did not feel good. <laughs> like it just, w- it wasn't the thing. And so I just kept going deeper and I really want everyone to like, when they're thinking about business and when they're thinking about creating, um, yeah, you're going to make money from it. Of course you're going to make money from it, but, but is the, the product or the service or what you're bringing to the, the, the world, is that really being in true service for not just people, but for our planet as well, yes. for the health of our planet? Like, you know, just feel into these things because um, if you're starting from that place, um, that's where the true magic happens because everything will then come and, and support you because you are in service to all of that. So then it has to be in service to you. Uh, and then this magical giving and receiving and this this dynamic process starts to unfold in your life 
because you're able to hold a, a vision that is not just about you. And then you won't have to go through all the things that many people go through to like go deeper on the spiritual path, which is where they have to lose everything over and over again. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I know it's necessary for many people. I know that for myself. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, right? I like, think I'm we, not- <laughs> we learn how to gracefully transition versus fall on our face. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing that I see actually happening, happening right now. Um, oh, I really want to address this because I haven't been able to, to talk about this yet. Yeah. Um, because the, the collective or humanity is in this place of a lot of upheaval and and just just really place this place of like deep healing and pain i know a lot of beings that are stopping themselves from stepping into their next level of expansion and their next level of creation because they're afraid to leave others behind i kind of want to address that too it's like (laughs) you know there's so many of us that like we did all of this work and yes, we can hold a space for what's happening, but I know that to get to the next level, you almost have to allow yourself to expand even more. And so many people are just afraid of feeling too good in these times. They're afraid of like being too blissful in these times. They're afraid of showing up, you know, in, in that expanded version that they are because everybody else is suffering. And I'm like, that's not going to serve. I know for me, energetically, I, I had that moment. Um, cause I, I was heading over to Chile and, and something, you know, rerouted me and I ended up in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is so beautiful. And I remember like, Oh, I'm not going to post these really beautiful pictures because there's a lot of stuff happening. You know, it, the riots had just started or whatever was happening in America. And I was like, no, 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 no. When I tune in and, and my being is so excited to share this frequency, that's what I follow that I'm not going to second guess that. Um, and then I had a, a conversation, I think it was with my cohorts or we had a community call about this very thing. And I asked them, like, how many of you are kind of dimming yourselves because this is what's happening? And it was almost everyone on yes. the call. And we were like, nope, let's stop that. Let's like, how is that going to serve? So I, I did want to mention that like now, and we actually started the conversation with that, right? We can't be in that full love and light because it's seen as bypassing or whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. it just ties back to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I spoke with that with another woman on a podcast. A similar thing came up where of feeling guilty for feeling good during this time. And uh, I felt like an aspect that was healing through it was if we could expand to the like the multidimensional layer of at times we feel really good and at times we feel really awful and those are kind of even maybe swinging really quickly between one or the other or vacillating or they're occurring at the same time like I'm in this gorgeous spot of Puerto Rico and this other hard thing is also occurring perhaps that's true for you I don't know but just like that it's not um, there's, it's not binary. It's not everything's always great for me or you're always bad or you look at me as I'm always pretending like it's good. It's just, it's all layered in there together. And we can honor yeah. and own that at times this is going to feel really, really, really good. And it does. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that I want to add to that too um, because <laughs> I think there's like a misconception of of what feeling really, really good truly means. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, it's like, 
there's there's a, a peace in my being that occurs and that has always occurred. And I think this is what allows me to accelerate my healing process. That no matter the condition, no matter the circumstance, that state of peace and beingness is always there, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Um, and actually in times where I know that there is a lot of friction that is about to occur, I get super excited because I know that that's a level up. Um, mm. And I, I really want to address that because a lot of beings also feel like they have to um, either pretend or, you know, go deep. Like, you know, there's this, there's this inability to find that core. Or I, I call it the zero point, right? Like mm-hmm. to just find that core state of being, find that peace no matter the circumstance, um, no matter what. So feeling, for me, feeling really, really good is just being in that core. Totally, being, totally. Being there. Yeah. Totally. I describe that to my students. The the like the neutral equanimous point is bliss. And that bliss isn't actually ecstatic. It's calm and peaceful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just had a conversation and uh, our biggest like breakthrough in that um, was releasing the attachment to excitement. <laughs> Like, yeah, releasing the attachment to excitement because there's there's a lot about, you know, following your excitement or following that bliss or whatever. But then that can just put you in into another state of um, needing something to fulfill something. So if you're truly, you know, anchored in that place, you don't you don't need that excitement mm-hmm. to be that indicator that you're in that aligned space. That, mm-hmm. you know, that this is the next thing for you. This is that magical thing. The, the, the magic doesn't have to always come with that excitement. It could come from that field where you're in that place of, of pure stability and pure peace. And I think this is, this is just important for us to share with a lot of people. Um, because there's this kind of like uh, visual that everyone has of like this tropical paradise and like super happiness and like that's the end goal or that's the end game or that's the result that that needs to happen. Um, and that's not it. Like that's, you know, normally that does happen. You know, you always end up in a tropical paradise <laughs> somehow, you know. I just, I want to be honest just to be on the other end of that. Like, yeah, you do find yourself in paradise, but it comes from having held that state in, in whatever environment that you were in. Yeah. And, I, I think I mentioned this, I didn't say this in the book, but like when I wrote my book, I was like living in a, 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 my mom's garage in an air mattress temporarily because I was going through one of those transition periods. But it was so powerful. Like it, the, the state of being that I was in was so powerful. I wrote the book in four days, <laughs> like in that state. And that place was like a castle to me because mm-hmm. it produced all the things that, it, that I needed it to produce. And then like, I worked with the environment to allow myself to create. So I wanted to share that because um, I know for a lot of people, they just don't know where to start or they go, their environment is too dense and too heavy. And collectively the environment is very dense and heavy right now. And just use that, use that denseness and use that friction to uplevel yourself, to expand even more. So don't stop yourself from feeling good. Don't stop yourself from starting what you need to start because of the collective environment. Actually use that to then have the fuel for inspiration, not to fight the system. You know, going back to what we were mentioning before. Yeah, perfect. It's a it's a great succinct endnote reminder that the friction is um, the process of transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and and not to shy away from it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could just talk forever. <laughs> And I've really enjoyed every bit of your wisdom that you've shared. I'll put in the show notes uh, links to your page and your and your um, school and all the things that you're doing and that um, bloodline healing video too, which I felt was so powerful that you mentioned briefly. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? No, that's all. Um, and the the main message that I usually always leave everyone with is... <laughs> It is one of those basic, you know, we are all one, but like, we really are. (laughs) We really, we really are. Um, And I always like to just end every conversation, just opening up that field and that knowing that we are, and we're all here. Thank you for that witness and reflection of exactly that. Yeah. Thank you. I think we can feel it for sure. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really amazing. I'm excited for this one to go out. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) 